We're going to begin reading this morning out of the book of Joshua, and we're going to start off with verse 3. Joshua 3, verse 1. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan, and he and all the children of Israel lodged there before they passed over. And I'm going to move on to verse 14 of that chapter. And it came to pass when the people removed from their tents to pass over Jordan and the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as they that bear the Ark were coming to Jordan and the feet of the priests that bear the Ark were dipped in the brim of the water for Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of the harvest that the waters which came down from above stood and rose up upon the heap very far from the city Adam that is beside Zertan, and those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt, the sea failed and were cut off, and the people passed over right against Jericho. Now, chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. And it came to pass, when all the people were clean passed over Jordan, that the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Take you twelve men out of the people, out of every tribe a man. And command ye them, saying, Take you hence out of the midst of Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm, twelve stones, and you shall carry them over with you, and leave them in the lodging place where ye shall lodge this night. Then Joshua called the twelve men, whom he had prepared of the children of Israel, out of every tribe a man. And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan and take you up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel that this may be a sign among you that when your children among you ask of their fathers in time to come saying what mean ye by these stones then ye shall answer them that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. And when it passed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. And the children of Israel did so as Joshua commanded, and took up twelve stones out of the midst of Jordan, as the Lord spake unto Joshua, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, and carried them over with them unto the place where they lodged, and laid them there. And Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests which bear the Ark of the Covenant stood, and they are there unto this day. Thank you, David. (laughs) It's good, isn't it? God's always with Let's pray with one another. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the story of the Israelites crossing into the promised land and how you miraculously intervened and how you provided a way for them to cross the Jordan. Lord, I thank you for the challenge that we have to, to go back and to remember, to remember the things that you've, did for, that you've done for us. Lord, to remember those times where we've met you, God, where we've experienced you, and Lord, how you've changed our life. So, Lord, even today, as we look back and we reflect on a few of those things, God, I, play, I pray that you will be glorified and honored in all that is said and done. For we love you. 
It's in Christ's name. Amen. I was um, quite honored uh, you know, a few weeks ago where Randy had asked me to share with the staff and, of course, now with the church about um, so some of my own experiences over the last 20 years and how I have seen God move and some of the things I've seen happen during that time of ministry here. And, boy, I tell you, it's, it's just kind of difficult to boil it all down into, you know, about 30 minutes to be able to share so many different things. But, but I've done that. I, I've kind of taken uh, the... The motive of, of what, you know, the 12 stones, and I have 11 or 12 of those very specific things that I'd like to mention very quickly uh, as we go through that, and then followed by uh, a few of the lessons I've learned as a result of that. But you know, um, memorials are not for the Israelites or for a church alone. I mean, we even do that as a country. I think that, I think it's important for us to realize that uh, we set up memorials so we can remember, and I've I got a few of them that I'll show you as we do as a country anyway. If you look at there, there's a 9-11. Uh, we certainly never want to forget what happened on that day, and uh, such, a, such a tragedy in our, in our country, but uh, you can see with the lights there and things, that's, that's set as a memorial for uh, what, what happened. Next one is a Statue of Liberty there, and as you see, that was given to us by France at the end of the war where we won our freedom, and we're so ever thankful for our freedom. We want to remember that. Next one. Uh, there's Mount Rush, Rushmore uh, with the engravings of uh, four of our great presidents and their contribution to our, our society and our government and for their leadership. Uh, we, we have that monument, and then the last one that I'll mention, that's the Vietnam War Memorial. Uh, certainly a very solemn uh, quiet place as you go, but we never want to forget uh, the, the, the ultimate price that these soldiers paid uh, as, as they were fighting for our country and, and for our freedom and stuff. So as you can see, memorials are something that are, are very common, and we should have them. And so uh, obviously the Lord has, uh, all through the Old Testament and in this specific chance, uh, situation, told Joshua, make a memorial because I want people to know I want people to remember what I did and what happened on that day. And so I've kind of come across with uh, a few of those, like I said, that happened over the last 20 years, and I'd like to share those with you now, if you'd allow me. And uh, some of those are uh, things that happened in the church as, uh, as a church body. Some of those are very personal, things that you won't know or never, would have never known until I, I get the chance to share those with you today. But we'll look at the first one here. Uh, that's the old church building uh, on uh, 231 Chesterfield Avenue. And um, I, when I began my ministry here, that building was, ha, had not been erected yet. In fact, we were just going through the process of voting uh, to, to build that building. And uh, it, was, it was quite controversial. We were running about, uh, about 500 in worship, and that sanctuary sat 1,200. And so it was much larger uh, than, than our, current, um, our current congregation. But there, we, we had a vision, and we felt like God was moving us to do that. And uh, we actually had some folks that uh, uh, disagreed with that, uh, actually left the church because they said that we would never fill it up. And so um, we did. We, Lord, uh, Lord continued to, to bless the ministry there. We were in that building for about 12 years uh, before we moved to this site, and we were running two services uh, pretty full at the time we left. So God just had a uh, God gave us a vision and we moved. And uh, the neat thing about that is when we're looking, looking at it is there was a significant price and cost to that. Our church 
body sacrificed to be able to do that, to be able to reach people for Christ. And, um, and God bless that. And there was, and so, you know, after that, uh, some just incredible unity and as we've seen God move in our lives from that. So hey, let's look at the next slide if we could. The DMV, you said, well, what is that? Uh, that's one of those personal stories that uh, I'd like to share with you just for a moment, but uh, certainly happened after I started my ministry here. But this is one of those situations where uh, I saw God, uh, God uh, do a significant work in my own life. At the, uh, right after I started working here, I, I was very busy. I was a full-time seminary student and I was working full-time and uh, doing many other things. And I was having a little difficulty with my insurance agent because he was just he was just foul mouthed kind of guy, and, and I was a, a young pastor and felt offended by that and decided I was just going to change my insurance over. And I was too ignorant to know that if I changed my insurance, I'd get a refund of the unused portion. So I was trying to wait to that very last day to get every little cent of my insurance and um, made a mistake. I, the mistake I made was that we went seven days without insurance. Um, uh, it expired on November 30th. I got new insurance on December 7th. And Nothing tragic happened except for we got that little registration card in the mail and we checked that little box that said we, we had insurance, mailed it in because I thought we had insurance and then I uh, got a really nasty, ugly letter from the DMV a couple of weeks later and it uh, basically they wanted to know what insurance I had on December 3rd and I called them up and said, well, I had this insurance. They said, no, that expired and so long story short, didn't have insurance and then they said, well, you owe us $400. And um, the problem with that was kind of twofold. One is I didn't have $400. When I say I didn't have it, it wasn't in the checking account. I couldn't withdraw it from the savings account because there wasn't any money in the savings account. There was not any money. And so I, I really got angry uh, with the Lord. I know nobody here has been angry with the Lord before, but I was angry. I was, I was mad. The second thing was I knew I was going to have to tell my wife. And that was even worse, I think. <laughs> But um, no, here, so here's the situation, and I, I remember very specifically, I was upstairs in my office, and uh, I was having a pity party, but that pity party consisted of me uh, arguing and fussing with God and, and telling him that he wasn't doing his job and telling him that uh, he could have protected me. And here I was, I began to recite the fact that I was a seminary student and I was playing Jesus in the pageant. And, and yes, I did play Jesus in the pageant, which a uh, little side note there. Um, I played Jesus in the pageant for several years until Scott, some of y'all remember Scott Perkins told me I got too fat to play Jesus. And uh, he did. That's the truth. And so I looked at him. Y'all know Scott. I said, well, who are you to be talking? He says, that's why I'm not playing Jesus. So I said, okay. <laughs> but uh, that, is a, that is a true story. So anyway, I was telling God about all these things that I was doing for him. I know, you know, that's probably not a good thing. But as I was complaining out and arguing and fussing and honestly just very angry with, with God, um, I got a phone message from, you know, my secretary called up and said, Ron, you have, you have a phone message down here in, in the little phone box. And that was before, that's so long ago, that's before we had inner office email. And uh, so I said, okay, I needed to get up anyway. And I walked downstairs and there was a white envelope there with my name on it. And I picked it up and I walked out back to my office, kind of in a bad mood. I opened it up and there was $400 cash in it. 
And it was $5, $10, $20, just different, different denominations there. So needless to say, the first thing I did is I went back upstairs and had a different conversation with God. Uh, <laughs> I thought I better get things right. And, uh, but I had felt like I knew who, uh, uh, knew where the gift was from. And sure enough, a couple days later, uh, a lady came up to me and asked me if I'd received the envelope that was there, and I said, I sure did, and I began to tell her, oh, you just wouldn't believe, she says, wait a minute, I need to tell you something, and uh, I said, okay, and she said, Ronnie, I want you to know that months ago, during my quiet time, God impressed on me to put aside some money for you, and I began to do that, and I would just put five dollars or ten dollars or whatever I had in this envelope, and the other morning, while I was having my quiet time, he told me to bring it to you. And it rocked my world. It changed my life. You see, God could have protected me from it. You know, it was an honest mistake. But boy, he wanted to teach me something so much more important. You know, he taught me that uh, I could trust him in all situations. He taught me that through the use of the spiritual gifts in a church family, no matter how big or small, that God can do things in people's lives and he could change us. And boy, you know, I look back at that and that's one of those spiritual markers that I always go back to and I say, this is a place. This is a place where God did something very, uh, very specific in my life through a church member and how I go back and I look and say, this is true. So we can have faith in God and do that. Here's the next thing right here. <clears throat> This is my son, Nathan, and um, this is the day that I baptized him. And one of the great joys that I've had as serving here for 20 years is that um, I, I've been able to baptize all three of my children. They've all accepted Christ into their life, and uh, it's just been a great joy to see them growing up and serving the Lord, and that's real exciting. Speaking of kids, the next one, uh, my daughter, Jacqueline, in the pink shorts there, she's probably dying right now uh, there, but that's her and a lot of her friends. Uh, but the, this is a really important thing is that our, you know, my wife and I are eternally grateful uh, f- to be able to raise our kids in a healthy church environment, a, a place where they can uh, develop friendships, a place where they can share with one another, a place that after they've grown and gone off, they can look back with such a positive experience about Christ and what he's done in their life. And so thank you so much for, for that opportunity. It's so important for us to be able to do that. I know so many people who have not had that opportunity and uh, very, very important to us. Uh, next one. This is, uh, you can see, one of our big events, and um, uh, the guy on the right of me, when you're looking, it's actually my left, but it's Jerry Witt, our youth pastor, standing there uh, speaking through the microphone. But uh, in this situation, it's just, it's just showing some staff or whatever, but uh, the thing I'm really thankful for, or the, one of the things that has been so important uh, for me over 20 years of ministry here, is that uh, we, we have friendships uh, within our staff. I, I go to some conferences where I meet with some other education pastors, and that's not always the case. So often they talk about the strife that is on staff between pastors and, and, and some of the difficulties that are there. Um, but we really do share life together. We enjoy, uh, we, we, we enjoy being around each other, and so those friendships are, are extremely important to us. And um, it, it's been a lot of fun uh, serving with one another. I think this next one's uh, a very important one. Take a look at it. There you go. 
Um, that's Randy, yes. Uh, almost, believe it or not, can y'all believe it's been almost 10 years since we, we called him to be our senior pastor? And uh, that's one of, those, uh, one of those places where God clearly brought in a man that had a vision and a direction uh, for a church and certainly feeds us through his preaching ministry here. And uh, so appreciative of that, but uh, to work alongside uh, Randy over these years has been very important to me and, and to have a pastor like, aren't y'all happy that Randy's our pastor? Isn't that something? Uh, it's funny, I heard somebody kind of yell out. I remember, <laughs> I had to share this, I, I do remember when, when we first uh, hired Randy, um, uh, when we first hired him and brought him in, the staff, we had a guy, we were introducing him, we had a guy out there going, we love you, Randy! Just yelling out to the loud his tongue, but it was, it was kind of funny, wasn't it, Randy? <laughs> Randy says, no, that wasn't that funny that day, but it was good. I'll remember that. Uh, some other important things. Uh, about six months later, this happened. Um, we bought some church property, so we hire uh, Randy, or we hire, I'd say that, uh, we bring in Randy to be our senior pastor, and, and uh, we begin looking at this property that this church is on right now, and um, we felt very strongly that God was leading us to to purchase this property, and as we prayed about it, we, we knew that there were some really large obstacles, uh, mainly cost uh, to doing that, but also the fact that we had been at that other building for 80 years, and so here we are thinking about looking at new property, and oh, really interesting thing is we came before the church and said, uh, guys, we believe God is leading us to buy this property. But we don't want to tell you how much it costs because if we tell you how much it costs or how much they're asking and you approve that, then that means uh, they're going to know because I guarantee they have representatives here and they're going to know how much. And uh, we think we can negotiate and we can really uh, save some money and do some things. And so the church voted uh, at just overwhelmingly to say, yes, go buy the property, and just told us to buy it. And I'm going to tell you, folks, that kind of unity in the body, that kind of unity in a church means so much, and it allows God to do so many things. And the money we were able to save, we were able to apply to the building and some other things, but uh, it just shows you being in a church, and I think you would agree with me here, being in a church with that kind of unity is special. And growing uh, the last 20 years and seeing that and being a part and seeing what God did through the purchase of that property was a, a very important thing. Let's look at the next slide. This is, was our Bible Fellowship Annex building that we had. Uh, before we actually bought this property, we were having a, a, a difficulty, well, about the same time actually, we were having difficulty because it was hard to grow because we had no space for our Bible fellowship, which we call life groups now. I mean, it was just, we were just, we'd grown so much and so quickly, we had nothing to do. And so we began to look around and explore and really pray about doing some things. And this building was 520 steps from our old building. I know that because I counted them, because I had to convince everybody they could walk across the street to get there. And so it's 520 steps, but uh, I'm going to tell you, it's a miracle. It's one of those places where, you know, we walked over there, and I can remember the day I walked in and looking at it, and it was shambles. It was shambles. It was actually condemned. The roofs, the ceilings were falling in, and it was just, it was just terrible. Uh, in fact, the uh, the building had sunk over 11 inches, and one of our members, Louis Tebolt, had uh, been going in every day and just jacking it up just a little bit, jacking it up, jacking it up until, uh, till the building. Get, 
could come back up and we can meet code on it. So we put a lot of work into this building. We rented it, but just put an incredible amount of work to make it functional so that we could take our Bible, adult Bible fellowship classes over there. And then we had no longer opened it up like this right here. And you can see over on the left side, uh, there's that white building. See how close it is? It's about that far. You know, you wouldn't build buildings that close anymore, but there, you, know, there, you can't walk in between that. It's, it's about that far apart. But uh, we had just opened up the building and we were coming up on a friend day. I remember that. And we were so excited about the opportunities we had there. And we got a phone call uh, and that there was a fire and we ran out. And I can remember standing across the street looking at this building and the, that white building was just engulfed in flames. And the fire was sweeping over on top of the building there, the fellowship building. And it was the answer to our prayers. And we had done all this stuff and here it was, it was about to burn down. And we didn't know how, what was going on. And uh, miraculously, uh, the building didn't burn and it, had, it suffered actually ex- extremely minimal damage and we were able to just to continue using it and function. And we had a little sign up we had to put uh, on that friend day, I remember that now we, we had to put up a whole bunch of tents on the main property because of it, but we, we were able to continue to use that building. What a great opportunity. God just showed that, hey, I know where you are at and this is something that uh, in a physical way, he protected our building and, and answered our prayers. So there's you go. Next one. We see that. This is the first day in this building. And I, I look back at that and I say, you know, wow, what are one of those days that just really surprised you? And this certainly was one of them. We had over 2,900 people come when we opened the building. Uh, it was a madhouse out here. Uh, if you came to that day, it was hard to get on and off campus, if you remember that. But people still came back because... You, God was doing something here, and they wanted to be a part of it, and uh, certainly makes us very thankful for our, our uh, traffic teams out there, you know, getting us going so we can get on and off campus, but uh, it was a great day, as you can see, we were just worshiping the Lord, it was so exciting to be here, and uh, opening up the building just marked that all the sacrifice and all the hard work, work uh, that the church had done, it was, it was a good day. Next slide. Ah, here's a slide of uh, some of our friends. Uh, this is uh, important to us because early on in ministry, um, about when we first came, I was 26 years old, and uh, Tina and I, who, uh, Tina's the one in the back left there, but uh, Tina and I had uh, joined a young couple Sunday school class. And it was so important for us to, to develop some friendships and to grow close with them and to share life with them. And as a result of that, these are some folks that we have shared life with throughout these 20 years. Uh, we've got a lot of other friends to do a lot of things with, but we consistently get with these, these group and a few others uh, on a regular basis. But here's the key, and what I want to challenge you with here is, folks, it's very easy to come in these doors and sit in here for worship and slip right back out and, and, and have a great time, but never, ever connect. And I'm going to tell you, if I went through the stories of those that are in on that picture there, I can tell you there are some great celebrations, some incredible things that have happened that we've been able to share that with them, but there are also some really devastating stories that happen there too and some things. And we were able to, as friends, give each other strength and walk through and share that together as, as we've done that. So, folks, let me encourage you. Get in a life group. Connect with people. Uh, share your life with them. It helps you grow in your relationship with the Lord. And certainly when you face things, it's good to have those friends with us too. Next one. This is a great story. If you'll see the guy right over here driving, the, the guy driving the, the little thing, that's Wesley Pitts. And 
five years ago, um, we were still in the old building, though. He, he and my son were good friends, as he was with a lot of others, you know. But uh, I remember getting a phone call at work there in the office one day, and uh, Wesley had been riding his bicycle uh, down the street and, and hit a car. And Wesley was, uh, had a significant head trauma, was med up to MCV and was there. They were checking him out and it just looked horrible, looked bad. In fact, he had, uh, the doctors came to his parents and said he was brain dead. And, um, and so he's there, but his parents just refused to believe that, wouldn't let the doctors uh, take the machines off, we said, no, we just, we're just believing for a miracle. And what I saw was our church and our youth group, our teenagers, all piled up there. And at one point, we had over 100 people in that emergency room in the hallways right outside his room just praying. Teenagers were on their knees praying for Wesley and asking God uh, just, to, just to save his life and do that stuff. And I want to tell you, Wesley's right over here. Wesley, stand up, right? here he is. See that? He's over there. Isn't that something? Uh, And we just saw a miracle of God. And folks, you know, I write that down because, man, the church body, the church family got together and prayed. And God's still in a miracle working business. And it's just uh, incredible. Good to see you, Wesley. <laughs> he didn't know I was doing that today. He says, you're the reason he out there that everybody's coming up to me. So, But, uh, but it's a great story. It's just uh, really fantastic. Uh, one last thing I don't have a picture of is uh, our last year, our first mass baptism day. I look at that as being one of those God moments. Uh, we were given multiple invitations during each service, and people just continued to respond. And as they responded, they were going up and they're giving their life to Christ. And, oh, if you could just heard the stories and seen the emotions and the crying and everything else that was going on back of house here. Uh, and we baptized over 60 people that day, and it was just an incredible thing. So um, it, it, it's, it, you know, those are just a few, folks. That's what I said. That's 12 things that I share with you uh, over 20 years. I could have seven or eight services where I could pick 12 or eight different things. It's been fun because several people coming up, oh, Ronnie, you remember when? Or you remember this? And I do. And it's, uh, it's been uh, really good for me today just to kind of go back and walk a little bit down memory lane. But there are some lessons that I've learned as a result of this, and I'd like to share those with you just very briefly. And, um, and, and I think that um, these lessons are kind of universal. They're not just for me. They're for everybody. I think that they're, they're, they're somewhat true. The first one is that I am not a necessary participant of God accomplishing His purpose here, but He desires that I am one. That simply means that God is active, He's at work, and he is, He's got a purpose for this church, a purpose for this church to impact this community, to reach people for Christ, a, a purpose for this church to reach out beyond this community, even to the world. And folks, I'm not a necessary part of that. I am, I am really glad that I, that I am a part of it. You, does that make sense? Everybody here, you understand what I'm saying? God, God doesn't need us. But he desires that we are, we are a part of it. And so as you uh, are coming and being a part of this church family and, be, uh, you know, and just loving God for what he's doing, um, just remember that. Uh, it, it's, it's important for us to keep our life right and keep it true and to serve him with all our hearts just so we can experience God for all he is and see him do these powerful things. That brings the second one. The second part is my failures do not disqualify me from experiencing what God is doing here. Um, sin absolutely can, but we, if we are repentant, 
God continues to work through us. You know, my favorite character in the Bible is David. Um, <clears throat> David really messed up so many times. And it kind of gives me hope <laughs> when I look at his life and do that. But what was David known for? He was known to be a man after God's own heart. And even in Acts chapter 13, it, it, it states that David, after he served the purposes of God in his own generation, fell asleep. And he died and was buried with his fathers. What does that say? Man, David served the purposes of God in his life. I pray that I'm able to say that same thing, that I accomplished those purposes, that God was wanting to work in and through me, and that I accomplished those things because I was so willing to sacrifice and serve for God. And so, um, you know, we have, to be, we have to keep track of our failures, keep, keep track of our sins, and make sure we're, we're right with the Lord in doing that. Third thing is big churches attract some very different people. Uh, I, first time I wrote it down, I actually said uh, that it, it attracts some really strange people. Uh, but, uh, you know, strange is all perspective because a lot of y'all think I'm strange, and so that's fine. Just look at your staff and you'll see what I mean. But actually what I'm trying to communicate and say here is simply this. We are all so vastly different. We all come from different environments, different cultures, different backgrounds, different families, and yet God has brought us together as a church body, a church family, and he's able to accomplish some incredible things. And that's something to really be happy and excited about, that, uh, you know, it's no big eyes and little U's, but we're here as a church family and accomplishing what God is wanting us to do. And so that's, uh, that's great. Another thing is that um, God's presence is a precious thing, and what we have here is rare. His presence is a rare thing. Um, <clears throat> I know that it's good that I can get up every Sunday morning and I can be excited about coming to church. It's good that when I wake up, I can look forward with great anticipation to hearing from God and knowing that God is going to be doing something. Man, His presence is here. A lot of that's because of the unity that we have. Man, we get beyond our differences and we say, folks, we are going to unite behind a vision and direction and we're going to follow that and we're going to do that. But boy, it allows God's Spirit to move freely and for us to have His presence here. And uh, many of you know that's not in, everywhere you, not in every church. I wish it was, but it's not. We need to be very humbled and thankful that, that, that it's going on. Uh, next one. Boy, nothing is impossible with God. I have learned over, over 20 years here, but 26 years of ministry, that absolutely, folks, if God is calling us to do something, it absolutely is possible. In fact, I would go as far as saying this even more so. If God's calling us to do something, it's probably going to be God's size. It's going to be bigger than us. This building is an example of that, and much bigger than what we ever could have imagined we can do. And we can tell you all the different stories about how God worked miracles in coming here, but nothing is impossible with God. Next thing is uh, a little bit more personal, but uh, I think that uh, many of you would be able to um, associate with that because we probably all are, uh, have fallen into the same boat, and that's that uh, at times I have allowed Satan to steal my joy in serving. Um, it has not always been mountaintop experiences. Uh, there have been some, some dark days and some difficult situations in, in ministry and in personal life over those 20 years as we all face those kind of things. Um, you know, I'll share a few of those with you because I want you to understand that uh, God's faithful through all this. And, and that's it. But, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, one of those 
you've heard me mention our children. Tina and I have three children, Jordan and Nathan and Jacqueline, but uh, we actually had uh, six pregnancies. We had three miscarriages. And uh, those were some really, really dark days. Uh, those days where we really questioned what God was doing and what His plan was and why, why He was allowing some of these things to happen in our lives. And uh, we struggled. We struggled emotionally. We struggled spiritually. It was hard. It was, it was difficult. Uh, I'm reminded of the song that we used to sing in the pageant so many years where Mary was uh, sitting there holding Jesus after they had taken him off the cross. And she would sing that song. It says, when you, when you, can't, when you can't see his hand, trust his heart. When you can't see his hand, trust his heart. And... Um, you know, that's one of those things we had to learn is that uh, God desires what's best for us. God desires good for us. And even though in difficult situations like this, even when we don't understand, man, we can trust. We can trust God. We can do those things. Several other things. You know, we, there have been sudden deaths in the family and, uh, and in friendships and things that um, we were not expecting and uh, weren't remotely close to being ready for, and uh, we saw God sustain us and give us strength uh, through those times. <clears throat> We've had uh, disagreements on staff. You know, I said it's great to have friendships and staff, and we're kind of like a family. Just think about your own, uh, you know, you fight with your husband or your wife or your kids or some of the you know, family members sometimes, and so we've had some of those on staff, and it's tough. Uh, you know, we I know that some of them sometimes get under my skin. I know that's not something I get under their skin at all. You know, I'm, <laughs> no, we all do that. It's all one of those situations where we work so close with one another. Sometimes we, we see things different ways, but God continues to give us the ability to, to look beyond those things and, and certainly look to him and stay unified and, and to love each other and do those stuff. Um, <clears throat> when Tina and I came on staff here, um, you know, over 20 years ago now, we were really hurting. Yeah, we were we were struggling. We were struggling uh, as a young couple. Uh, I had been in a ministry position in another church that had been uh, very difficult, and uh, actually resigned there, swearing I would never be in ministry again. Uh, didn't want any part of it. Wanted to find other things to do. Uh, Pastor Harper. Um, it took him over four months to talk me into coming on staff here. And um, so, I, you know, reluctantly in, in a certain amount, I finally did. And uh, this church has been a place of healing for us. Uh, it's been such a great place to experience the Lord and, and to see him do so many great things. Uh, but, you know, our, our, our marriage was in a lot of trouble. We took advantage of the counseling center here and... Um, for, for a year and a half, sought marriage counseling, and uh, it saved our marriage. God restored our marriage. It was a, uh, didn't restore it to what it was. We didn't want it to be that, uh, but it restored it uh, to, to what God wanted it to be. And, uh, and it's been uh, just a, been, it's been a great ride ever since then. In fact, uh, Tina and I, coming up this year, will be celebrating 25 years of marriage. So there she is. She's right back there. So... Uh, we actually tease, when people ask us how long we've been married, we usually add a couple years to it because we say a couple of those years were really long. So, <laughs> so how long have you been married? 27 years. No, <laughs> we, we said that, but, but they were, they were hard, but boy, folks, you know, some of you may be in that kind of situation, but God can do a miracle in your relationship and uh, he can, he can give you a great, great marriage if you'll just seek him out and do that. Uh, just a couple more things here. God's faithfulness is consistent. And always true. 
And then, I, I, boy, when you look at some of those difficulties and some of those struggles and some of those things that uh, we walk through, I have seen him to be faithful. Even when I wasn't, God was faithful. And uh, we can trust in that, folks, and it's very important. Um, this next one kind of comes as a warning because I've experienced it myself, and I have to guard against it, and I think that uh, it's probably a warning for all of us, and that's that busyness, even in church work, busyness can give you a false sense of intimacy and growth in Christ. Um, what do I mean by that? Well, you can do a whole lot of work. You can come in here and you can serve on the parking team and teach a class and work in the nursery. And well, you can be really busy. And as a result of that, we can substitute it for intimacy with Christ. Intimacy comes with Christ, comes, you know, through, through our time we spend in the Word of God, through, through praying with one another, for, through having uh, relationships with other people that challenge our relationship with Christ and what we're learning and how what we're growing. Uh, folks, it's so important for us to say, I'm not going to allow those places of service to be substitutes for real intimacy with Christ. And I've done that. I've allowed church work. I've allowed my job actually substitute uh, that sometimes. And so I really had to look back and say, God, I do that. Which brings me to uh, the last thing. Um, even after 20 years of ministry here, um, I, I realized that I need God more today in ministry and in my personal life. Uh, you know, I need more to be a better husband, to be a father, to be a better pastor, to be all those things. I need him more today than I ever have before. Um, man, we don't ever arrive. We don't ever get to that place where we, we don't need him. But, boy, it's important for us to understand that, um, that he's there to help us. He's there to sustain us. He's there to, um, to work through us if we're available uh, in doing those things. Um, you know, I'm, I'm reminded when you go back to that passage and we read about the Israelites picking up the stones and taking the 12 stones to the place they lodged and making that monument. Uh, what a lot of people don't realize is that there were two monuments built that day. Uh, the other one was built by Joshua. And uh, was built by Joshua. And if you go back to verses 8 and 9, he goes back out into the, the riverbed right there where the priests are holding the Ark of the Covenant and he builds a monument. And that's the one that it reads that this monument is still there to this day. And that was more of a private one. I mean, he did it publicly in front of everybody. But Joshua had seen such an incredible thing that God had done. He went right back to that very place and said, this is where we met God. This is where God did something in our life. This is where he changed our lives. This is where he set us on a new path. And he erected that monument. And so, you know, the challenge is for us is to do the same thing that I've done and gone back and look at our life and look at some things and say, hey, this is, this is, this is where God has done some great things in our life. And it's important to do so because of a couple of things. Number one is because he's not finished. Uh, I'm reminded of Jeremiah 33.3, which says, Call unto me and I will show you great and mighty things that you do not know. And I want to see more. I want to see more of God. I want to, I want to be surprised at how great he can be and what he can do. And if God calls us to do something, like I said earlier, man, it's going to be bigger than we are. And I want to see that. And so he's not finished. But in order for me to stay true, in order for me to, to, to be honest about it, I need to be sure of knowing where I've met God in my life. 
And by doing that, by going and, and writing it down in a journal or, or looking at some different things, I can see that God's been at work in different places in my life. And he's brought me up to this place to be able to be used in a special way. And folks, I'm going to tell you what, we need to do that. There in your bulletin that, uh, the, that we gave out to you, you can see down at the bottom there, there's a place where you can talk with your family or with one another. And it simply says this, I remember when God, in a blank, and he changed my life by blank. I encourage you today, take some time to talk about where you've seen God do something in your life, where you've seen him active, where you've met him, and he's changed you and doing those things to do that. But you know what? Um, folks, we're going to have an invitation here in just a couple minutes, and we're going to come forward. There's going to be some pastors up here. But what is that invitation for? What, why do we really do that? And I tell you, the reason why we do it is it just gives us a chance to affirm and to respond to what God's doing in our life. That's what it does. You know, we can, you know, do you have to come forward to affirm that? No, you can pray right where you are, and, and some of you will, and I think that's awesome. Some of you can do business with God later on, but there's something about just affirming it while it's going on because, boy, we can get sidetracked and we get other things going on in our life. But if we sense that God's doing something in our life, we should affirm it. We should do that. And here's what the altar is available for. You know what? Some of us are, are sitting here and we're thinking, you know what? I am reminded by some of these stories of some things where, God, you have done some things in my life. And, and, and that's just a humbling thing. And, God, I know that maybe I've wandered or I've gone a different direction. And you can come and you can just pray. You can kneel down at the altar and just, just get some things right with him. Some of you may want to speak with one of the pastors that are here and want to pray with them. And you can just come down and grab their hand and they'll pray with you. They'll do that. Others, you know, maybe, maybe God's been leading you to be a part of this church family. And as a result of that, you're saying, I need to affirm what God's doing in my life. And you need to come and do that. And we'll counsel with you and help you do those things. And then finally, there are certainly those who are saying, you know what? I don't remember ever really having a moment or a time in my life where I recognize God doing anything. Man, I've just been living my life out there on my own, but I need that. And folks, I want to tell you, Jesus loves you. And you know, December 30th, 1979, changed my life because there was a time in my life where I recognized my need for Christ and I openly gave it to Him. We can help you do that. We can help you in that journey, help you in that walk and to come and let us tell you about how Christ can change your life. As we stand, can you do that please? Our pastors will be up front.